no matter how much interaction um, I get with people online, it's just not the same thing as seeing somebody talking to them face to face and seeing their eyes that they're actually passionate about something that you created. Welcome to the Under the Mask podcast, where we discuss the super process behind superheroes, not just superheroes, aliens, horror, thrillers. If you can find it on a comics page, you can find it here. Here, you'll learn how to make comics from the initial outlines, scripts, and artwork to printing and putting the final book in a bag and board. For many years, Bill Colomb has written his book, Kinetic, and sold thousands of copies across the nation. And now we're inviting you along for an inside look to the comics process. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you're in the right place. This is the Under the Mask Podcast, and this is Bill Colomb. Under the Mask Podcast, episode 48. I met today's guest at Rose City Comic Con in Portland, Oregon, and he became an early mentor for me as I started my own career writing comics. My guest today is the writer and creator of independent comics like The Resistance and Hyperaction. His latest work, Sophia Saturn, follows the title character in a sci-fi future where she finds her recent graduation plans hijacked by an errant wormhole. You can support Sophia Saturn by visiting www.sophiasaturn.com or just visit our link in the show notes and description below. I'd like to introduce KJ Kaminsky. KJ, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today. Thank you, Bill. Thanks for having me. So the first thing I'm going to ask you, like I ask all my guests, I want you to tell us a little bit about your story. Who are you and how did you get to be with us here today? Well, I'm KJ Kaminsky, like you said, uh, born and raised uh, around Detroit, uh, a city called Troy. I uh, spent some time in Rochester Hills and Ferndale. Uh, I've been living in uh, Southern California, mostly San Diego for the last 15 years, I believe. I uh, write and self-publish my own comic books and do a lot of conventions where I met you, Bill, uh, because we do a lot of the same stuff. And uh, uh, I reached out to you and asked you to have me on the show. Uh, Well, let's jump right into it. How long have you been writing for and what made you start writing comics specifically? Well, I've been uh, collecting and reading comics since I was uh, a really little kid. Um, Started with G.I. Joe and eventually got into the Marvel Universe and some of the independent books uh, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, when that exploded in uh, the late 80s. Around that time, I started uh, creating and drawing my own comics and had other friends who were doing the same. When I was in high school, I was still, you know, had the aspiration of being an artist, but I kind of saw that I didn't really have everything it took to be a professional, especially because some of my friends were um, uh, a lot more advanced than me. And uh, I took a creative writing class and that kind of uh, gave me the bite to uh, concentrate a little more on the story aspect of comics. Started writing comics when I was 
uh, a teenager and published a few books um, in my late teens with uh, a group of friends. Ended up, though, uh, getting more into the retail side of comics. Um, did a, a lot of conventions as a retailer and eventually had my own brick and mortar uh, shop for four and a half years in Farmington, Michigan uh, in my 20s. After I closed my shop, it wasn't the best time for comics. Um, and uh, I kind of transitioned into uh, uh, pro audio. And uh, a few years back, I found myself in a position to kind of chase my dream again. And uh, I'd always been kind of writing on the side. I took a bunch of classes and tried to take in as much as I could about the craft. Um, some classes through Comics Experience an online uh, uh, instructional course um, that teaches you all about um, making the donuts when it comes to comics. I took in everything I could from convention panels and talking to other professionals. And eventually, um, after uh, uh, hiring some artists and working on some books, I started publishing in 2017. And of course, the reason that you're here with us today is... Sophia Saturn, which is live on Kickstarter. But I wanted yes. just for, for everyone listening to get a primer into KJ Kaminsky, I wanted to talk a little bit about your previous work uh, that's with the Resistance and Hyperaction. Uh, so give us the quick pitch for those series and let's talk about them briefly. Okay. Uh, the Resistance, it's uh, the Resistance and Hyperaction both take place in the same universe. Uh, it's high action science fiction, and the Resistance is about a group of alien refugees human outlaws, and bounty hunters 100 years in the future. In the first story arc, they are fighting this oppressive corporate state, and they are trying to bring the power back to the hands of the people. Hyperaction is this anthology series that focuses more on the individual members of the Resistance, as well as the other bounty hunters that inhabit their world. And uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun action, kind of uh, X-Men meets G.I. Joe. And in the, in the vein of 80s cartoons and uh, 90s comic books that, that we all loved and grew up with. And then you follow those up with your latest work, Sophia Saturn, which is live on Kickstarter through April 30th. Uh, everyone listening, if you want to support it, you can do so by visiting www.sophiasaturn.com. KJ's made it super easy for you. KJ, give us the quick pitch for Sophia Saturn and let's talk about it. Okay, uh, Sophia Saturn, it's this uh, fun teen space adventure. Sophia is a high school senior ready to start her adult life until she and her friends get sucked through a cosmic wormhole and into the middle of an apparent intergalactic war. Um, it's kind of the Archie gang lost in space, um, very influenced by um, Scooby-Doo and old Hanna-Barbera cartoons, but kind of has a little similarities with uh, uh, more modern things like Kim Possible. And uh, yeah, it's just a fun spacefaring adventure about a group of teens lost in space. And I just love your tagline for it. Uh, Sophia's master plan has a wormhole in it. Right, right. Yeah, Sophia's grand plan has a wormhole in it. That, that kind of took me a little while to come up with. Uh, the, the original one was uh, Sophia keeps making plans and the universe keeps laughing. Um, but yeah, settling in on that tagline, I think, really brings the whole thing together and gives you an idea of what we're doing with this series. Yeah, your new tagline is uh, much, much better. Yeah, <laughs> What was the initial inspiration for Sophia Saturn? Um, well, um, 
one of the things I really wanted to do was I, I was, you know, writing these series, the resistance and hyperaction that involve a lot of action, a lot of guns, swords, and, and somewhat violence. And I, I wanted to try and do a protagonist who doesn't pick up a weapon and tries to solve problems with her brain. On top of that, I found myself making these grand plans when it came to comic books in my life. And yet I would always run into something that would veer things to the left or change, have to change things up somewhat. So I really saw that as something that people could relate to. And uh, the idea of getting sucked through a wormhole after, you know, and changing your life, that was the direction that I wanted to go. Now, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your writing process. How do you take Sophia Saturn from a simple concept idea like you just explained and develop it into a full issue and later a full series? I guess when it comes to um, actual like craft and process, a lot of this, I, I, you know, everybody, there is no set way to do things in comics like there are in movies where you have to follow a format for your scripts. So I've kind of picked and choose from uh, what I've learned from comics experience and what I've learned from other creators. And I really have uh, multiple stages where I, I start with, you know, a basic plot, then go to a page by page outline, and then a panel by panel, and, uh, and an issue by issue outline actually before that. But with Sophia Saturn, the first issue was immediately kind of in my head. I knew exactly that at page 10, I wanted them to go through the wormhole. So I needed, you know, to establish these characters before that happened. It's been a kind of difficult to kind of wrap it up in five issues because she ends up in this world where there's so many mysteries that not all of these questions are going to be answered in these five issues, but focusing on the ones that were most important to her story was the things that I had to kind of prioritize. And that's actually a great segue into my next question. The Resistance, Hyperaction, and Sophia Saturn, they all have really big cast of characters and really big worlds to explore. I mean, with Sophia Saturn, you've got, you know, the whole galaxy and the whole universe to explore. How do you tackle world building? Uh, yeah, well, when it comes to world building, uh, with the resistance and hyperaction, um, I think that working on, on those books kind of brought me to the idea that you have to focus on what serves the story. So with the resistance, we have this world, is it's 100 years in the future, and I know what's going on on the other side of the world, but it doesn't matter for the story. So that's not what my focus or my, my time should be used for. Um, we focus on the what was the American Southwest. Uh, when it comes to Sophia Saturn, we take her off world and it's hundreds of years in the future. So the whole series takes place basically around Saturn and we never really touch on Earth. And I have an idea of what's going on on Earth, but it doesn't really impact the story. So I'm not spending my time worrying about those kind of questions of how the government's set up. There's, there's a world government, and that's about all you need to know, because this is a mining colony with 6,500 um, uh, residents on this colony. And these couple moons, Titan, Rhea, that's where most of the the action and the story takes place. So that's the world that we're dealing with. There are other aspects with aliens that different parts of the universe. But again, 
if it doesn't impact the story, I, I don't think you need to focus on it. And you don't need to bog down your reader with all this exposition of explaining this fantastic world if it's not going to be shown in the story. And eventually, you know, we hopefully will come to more of the, the those areas. But for the time being, this story is is focused more on the character and the world needs to serve the character. I always like the idea of the shared universe and you maybe your next one, uh, your next thing after you do this could be set on that earth. And, you know, the protagonist and antagonist can be getting into it and the antagonist about to deliver the killing blow. And then all of a sudden it's, hey, yeah. you stop. And then you pan the camera over and it's Sophia Saturn. Well, I kind of thought that. <laughs> Um, Sophia Saturn is set a couple hundred years after the resistance and some of the characters in the resistance actually live pretty long lives. So in my eyes, they could be alive at the same time. And since the resistance doesn't go off world, there's nothing to say that these series can exist in the same universe and can eventually cross over in some way like that. How do you find your art teams? To start back with the resistance, um, Jason Johnson is is the main artist on the series. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of searching looking for an artist who had um, a, a wild storm style to their art, which is Jim Lee's studio that was eventually his image comic studio that was eventually bought by DC Comics. And uh, I found Jason Johnson through a, a commission site and he used to work for Wildstorm and that he was the perfect fit for that, that series. Ben Herrera, who uh, worked on Hyperaction, um, I met him at the San Diego Comic-Con. He was set up and it turned out he lived less than a half mile away from me here in, in Southern California. And uh, uh, we worked uh, together on uh, multiple issues of Hyperaction together. Um, and uh, when... I was developing Sophia Saturn. It was around the same time that we were looking for something new to work on together. And so he, he I felt that the series needed a, a slightly different style and, and he uh, accommodated with that and uh, ended up being the perfect fit. My colorist, Ross A. Campbell, or um, the colorist I work with, Ross A. Campbell, he's been uh working in comics for a while. And uh, I found him through DeviantArt. Um, he had previously worked on Wayward for Image and Pathfinder for Dynamite, and, uh, uh, but hadn't done too, many, uh, too much work for the major companies like Marvel and DC yet. He colored all the resistance. And then uh, when Sophia Satter came up, I asked if he'd be available for that. And sure enough, uh, we can, wanted to continue to work together and it was a perfect fit. What unique challenges did Sophia Saturn bring on as an all new, completely different sophomore series? Well, I think the biggest challenge was um, that it uh, it was written for a different audience than what I had already cultivated through with the resistance and hyperaction. Uh, the resistance and hyperaction is a little more traditional comic book, almost superhero ish. Uh, a little more of a male middle-aged audience. And uh, that's partly me. Uh, I, I am part of that audience. So I knew where to find that audience and at conventions and, and doing variant covers and, and the local comic shops. Um, with Sophia Saturn, um, it's really targeted more towards a teen female audience with the protagonist with Sophia um, being a high school senior and, and her group of friends. 
and and that that's one of the biggest reasons that I decided to um, go out and not just self-publish, but go out and pitch it to other publishers to try and get that larger reach and that uh, into this different demographic, I guess. And just to follow up with that, do you find a lot of overlap between Kickstarter backers who backed the resistance, who backed Hyperaction, and who are backing Sophia Saturn? Or are they different Democrats? Like if there was a Venn diagram between the two, how close would they be? Or are they just, you know, KJ Kaminsky fans? Yeah, I, I would say it's kind of half and half. I think I, I think that the comic industry has changed. I mean, you have a targeted audience and you have a targeted demographic, but that is not going to be your entire audience. So I, I kind of feel like about half of my backers for Sophia Saturn have also backed Hyperaction or Kestrel. Um, are uh, my previous campaigns that I've done um, with the resistance. I think that that the audience for comics in general, I think people are more comic fans now and are open to different genres and different types of comics. And I, and I also feel that writing something like Sophia Saturn, I, I intended not to write it down to kids. I intended just to write a story that has the elements that would be um, attractive to a different audience. Um, and I think that that's why it lends itself to still the middle-aged guy who likes likes my action stuff can still appreciate this uh, adventure story with a group of kids. Um, and so I've seen, yeah, I've seen both the crossover about 50% and 50% of the audience is sp specific to Sophia Saturn. And I can see that that audience actually is more female. And also wanted to ask you, is it tougher to write a female protagonist versus a burly man, which obviously we both are? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know that many people would call me a burly man, but uh, no, I, it's, it's <laughs> kind of strange. It's, it hasn't been intentional, but most of my books have uh, uh, starred female protagonists. Um, I, I think a big part of that is, uh, um, my parents got divorced when I was young and, uh, my mom, uh, kept custody and which led my grandma to be around often. Um, I have one sister and at one point, um, a friend of the family, uh, another woman came and moved into our house. So it was basically me and four women in the house. And uh, they um, are all strong, independent women. Um, and that goes for my girlfriend, too. I don't know if I necessarily gravitate towards those types of characters, but I know those types of characters. I mean, obviously, I can't always put myself in their shoes, but I've had enough, I guess, experience with the women in my life and the strong, independent women in my life that, that those types of characters seem to come a little easier for me. What are you excited about with this launch? Well, the biggest thing is finishing up this first miniseries, um, getting the final two issues of this five-issue miniseries out there and into people's hands, hearing what people say about the story and showing more of where this overarching story is going. You know, it's it's been a year and a half of not much, not doing much with comics, not getting out to conventions. Um, and it's it just feels really good to be able to uh, produce and put out some new comics. And right now we are sitting at thirteen hundred out of a two thousand dollar goal, actually thirteen oh one out of a two thousand dollar goal. 
you've got plenty of time left on the clock. Um, I've got no doubt that this will fund and probably go over your funding goal. Yeah. What does the future hold for you and Sophia Saturn? Uh, well, um, like I said, I um, one of the biggest things is that I took the series after, after I published issue one, I uh, went out and pitched the series to other publishers. It was a grueling, long process. Um, but at the end of 2019, I signed a contract with uh, uh, Scout Comics to bring Sophia Saturn into comic shops and books, bookstores. The initial plan was to release last summer, um, but things changed <laughs> in the comic industry. And uh, I willingly um, went along with holding back the release. Um, it also has allowed me to work with one of their editors, Andrea Morielli, to, uh, to, to make the story even better. Um, he's been a huge asset. So in the fall, uh, Scout will be releasing um, a new version of number one, along with some variant covers. And then um, uh, the plan right now is a few months after that, we'll be uh, moving to the trade paperback. And if all goes well, we'll uh, move into production on um, a follow-up to the next um, for another miniseries of Sophia Saturn. I feel like I've uh, broadsided you a couple times because there's been questions. Before the show, I pass you <laughs> my list of questions, but I'm always writing right, down right. Your the questions and looking for nice follow-ups. Or uh, if it goes off on that, I think I'd be doing my listeners a disservice if I didn't ask you, what was it like working with Scout and getting picked up by them? Oh, it's, it's been great. Um, I, when I when I pitched, um, I, got, I got interest from a few companies um, and got some contract offers from other companies. Um, but Scout has been really committed to uh, creative rights and um, uh, being very accommodating to creators, too. Obviously, with the pandemic and uh, with the situation with distribution and comic shops, a lot has changed, but they they actually seem to thrive in the madness of it all and have been doing just amazing things. They're a very progressive company. If you don't know, they're the only other publisher that's being distributed by Lunar now, um, who distributes DC Comics into comic shops. Um, and they uh, signed a deal with uh, Simon and Schuster to bring to get distribution into bookstores now. So I'm really excited about about that. And then on top of everything, um, I've been working with, as I said, Andrea, um, a freelance editor that works with them, who's allowed me to make the book better, but still make it mine. Not make demands, but help to uh, uh, foster a better story, find those plot holes. And like I said, to make the book just better in the end, which is always <laughs> as a creator, what you want. Yeah. Not, not shove you where they want to go, but lightly push you on the back. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah, and it's, it's been great um, with everybody and the growth that, that they've shown as a company, I think has been pretty amazing. And they've been making a lot of waves this last year. And I think they're going to continue to. KJ, what have been the biggest obstacles or challenges that you faced and how did you overcome them? Well, I think that the biggest challenge when I was coming back to comics is kind of this antiquated thinking that um, I thought I could do things the same way that they were done in the 90s and quickly found out that that wasn't true. Um, so distribution um, was my number one obstacle that I thought as long as I had a quality product 
the major distributor would pick pick me up and that would be it. I'd be able to get my book into shops. That was not the case. <laughs> I found that, you know, going to conventions and selling directly was really the way to go. And, uh, um, and then of course, uh, kind of being an older guy and trying to figure out social media where it, it it isn't so natural to me. Like I, I prefer to have the face-to-face one-on-one talks with people instead of um, this more of this idea, like I say, is putting a message in a bottle and throwing it out to the sea and seeing if somebody finds it. But, you know, it, it's the reality of where we are today. And uh, I continue to work on it and uh, hope to keep moving towards the future. Yeah, I know a lot of times with social media, it does feel like, You're just shouting into the void and hopefully someone heard you. It surprises me at conventions how many times, uh, same with even the mailing list that, uh, you know, average mailing list is going to have something from like 15 to 20% of people actually read your email. Right, right. And it's just, it feels like nobody reads it. It feels like nobody hears your tweets. Nobody sees your Facebook posts. Nobody sees your Instagram stuff. And then I go to conventions and I'll have people who come up and say, hey, I really like your update that you did (laughs) last month. I was like, oh, I'm like, it's good to hear that people read it. Yeah, yeah. It seems like sometimes when you're doing things out of the house and doing things through social media, it, it seems like there's more, um, I don't want to say failures, but there's you're not getting as much traction as as you really are. And then you go to conventions and you have that face-to-face with people and you realize like, oh, I really am getting someplace. I really am affecting or, or impacting people. And they seem to like what I'm doing. And to follow up there, what do you feel has been your biggest mistake? Oh, (laughs) I guess the mistake is the same, is the same thing, like the antiquated thinking, like that I started off with this idea of, of make it and you'll be able to get it into comic shops as long as it's quality. That's all that matters. So it's not much different than, I guess, what I saw as my biggest obstacle or challenge. The obstacle, the challenge that I really thought was having this initial idea of Sophia Saturn and what it was going to be, and then realizing that I needed to wrap up a story in five issues. That nowadays, you know, you having a writing long form nowadays isn't necessarily is something that publishers want. And publishers want a rounded out story for a trade paperback and want that to be able to sit as, as itself. And I have this idea of writing, you know, X-Men or <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man, you know, where these get into hundreds of issues and the next issue is always coming and you might want to round things off, but you're always going to leave these, these dangling plot lines because you want to come and pick them back up years later. But that I think that's been a challenge is trying to train myself to stop thinking of a long, long form story. Stop thinking of telling the life of a character and get to telling a specific story and a story arc and are more of a rounded, balanced plot. Like, I know what publishers want, but I disagree with it. And this is maybe to antiquated thinking, but I also want to think I'm have more forward thinking. The idea is nowadays, five, six years ago, everybody wanted to 
create a comic book that could easily be turned into a movie. But now we're seeing that streaming services are really where the media is going and where the adaptions are going. And those streaming services want multiple seasons. They don't want just a movie. They want to be able to have 10, 20, 30 or more hours of content. So I think that you got to kind of balance both. On the flip side of that coin, what's been your best moment? Definitely conventions and uh, uh, connecting with fans and readers and seeing people that have enjoyed or relate to the characters and stories I'm trying to uh, share. It just, no matter how much interaction um, I get with people online, it's just not the same thing as seeing somebody talking to them face to face and seeing their eyes that they're actually passionate about something that you created. And then, you know, going to conventions and being able to like just share my overall love of comics with with other readers and creators and being able to, you know, just always talk about comics. <laughs> but yeah, definitely that that face-to-face interaction with with readers and fans and creators. What's been the best advice that you've received? Now, that was a hard question that I was <laughs> trying to figure out. I mean, because I, I, I've gotten so much advice and, and I don't want to cheap out and say, you know, do what you love, you know, uh, and, and everything else will follow. Even though that's kind of been my attitude is... Um, is is to write the stories that I want to I want to write and that I want to share and find the audience after. I don't know that that is actually good advice if you want to do this professionally. <laughs> but uh, um, I guess having an understanding of how long it takes to create comics too, um, and no matter how quickly you think you can get things done, it's always going to take longer. And having the understanding that you haven't failed by not getting everything done in the time you want it done. It's just that this stuff takes a long time. You know, people talk about comics being easier than, than other media, but in the end, you're, you're talking about maybe three humans like on a project with like most of my projects. Yeah. I'm also the letter and uh, uh, designer and production artist. And so it's like a garage band with three of us, but we all have to put in the labor and no matter what things come up. I mean, we are adding a few pages to Sophia Saturn um, number four and five. And uh, um, the artist Ben Herrera, he recently got COVID and he was out of work for two months and couldn't do anything. And now he's backed up on other projects and it's taking a little longer and it's very frustrating. But at the same time, it's going to be so rewarding when it's all done and we know and we're confident that we're still going to get it done. It just isn't getting done as quickly as we want. And having the patience to understand that getting getting thing done, things done quickly isn't really the goal. It's, for me at least, it's making the best comics that I possibly can. Everyone listening, thank you for tuning in to the Under the Mask podcast. Sophia Saturn is live on Kickstarter now through April 30th. You can support it by visiting www.sophiasaturn.com. KJ, where else can we find you online? 
Well, like you said, um, the Kickstarter right now, uh, you, our website, uh, bigbluecomics.com, also directs right to the Kickstarter at the time being. But uh, after April 30th, we'll go back to a full website. Um, and then, of course, we're on, I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Big Blue Comics across the board, and uh, KJ Kaminsky and some variation um, on all of those platforms. And uh, hopefully sometime soon at a convention near you. KJ, thank you so much for joining me and talking with me today. Thank you, Bill. I really appreciate it. If you know a creator that makes comic books or any other media and think they'd be a good fit for the show, drop us a line at under the mask show at gmail.com. You've been listening to the under the mask podcast with Bill Cologne. Welcome to the family. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you've found the right podcast for you. Thanks for listening, and make sure to like or leave a review, and we'd appreciate it if you'd tell a friend or two. To reach out, visit us at underthemaskpodcast.com. This has been a presentation of Why Comics. Till next time, this is the Under the Mask Podcast, signing off.